his uh, ministry on the local church and Good morning, folks. I can only say, I take my hat off to Andrew this morning. Not only did he get here with three boys, they've done really well during the meeting. So, Andrew, you're a better man than I am, brother, and I'm absolutely for sure about that. Just an explanation about this contraption here, folks. Sorry about this mess here. It's, it's to try and help folks that are in Zoom get closer to the preacher rather than just seeing it from the back. It doesn't seem to have been a very successful um, experiment this morning. Sorry about that. But for those who are online, I'm sorry, we'll try and improve that. We're going to be reading in 1 Corinthians in chapter number 3, folks, this morning. Um, as the doozy said, we are at the end of our four meetings on the local church. And this series has very much been a foundational series. We haven't covered everything about a local church, everything a local church does, uh, everything a local church is, how the local church functions. We've really just been trying to do a, not a how to do a local church type of message, but a why we do a local church. If we understand why we do things, it makes our how-to much easier and much more fulfilling and much more joyful. So this has not been a, let's tick the boxes, do we come up to the standards? We, this is just to try and lay the foundations as to, to why and how we do a local church and why we're gathering, what it means to God, what it means to us, all that sort of thing. And we'll resume next Lord's Day our studies in 1 Corinthians. We're into 1 Corinthians 12. And that's not unrelated to the studies in the last four weeks at all. So what we're going to do is we're just going to look through 1 Corinthians 3. We're going to read some scriptures and then we'll say a brief word of um, kind of uh, resume, bring us up to where we are and say some final thoughts on the foundations of the local church. So we're reading in 1 Corinthians 3 and we're going to start to read and uh, in verse number 9. Paul's been talking about planting and watering, but God giving the increase, that it's God's work. And he says this, For we are labourers together with God. Isn't that just a wonderful truth, folks, that God in his grace deigns to allow us to make a little contribution to his work? Now, we know it's all of God, for it's God that works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But God gives us, by his grace, opportunity to be contributors in the glory of God and the furtherance of his kingdom. And that's a wonderful thing. And he says, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. And he's talking about ye, ye is plural, that's why I read the authorised verse, because it helps me understand that. It means he's talking to the local church at Corinth, and he says, there's some pictures that I want to show you that God sees as you as a local church. And one of them we looked at last week, we'll break, mention it again this week. The local church is the picture of a, a body, isn't that right? A body. Uh, here he says two other ones. He says, um, he says, ye are God's husbandry or God's fruitful field. So it's a place where there's life and there's fruit and there's, there, there's growth. And then he says, ye are God's building 
So there's at least three pictures we've got from First Corinthians. A local church should be like a body. It should be like a, a fruitful field. It should be like, like a building. And folks, please remember that a picture is exactly that. A picture. It's an illustration of a truth. The whole truth is not in one picture. The fact that we've got various pictures means that each picture has a particular emphasis to make in the truth of the local church. So let's keep reading. So he takes up this picture of a building now, the local church being a building, and this is what he says. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. Stop just a minute. What he means is apostolic foundation of truth. Remember we're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. There are foundational gifts in the church age and the apostle is one of them. Apostles are one of them. And he says, I'm one of the ones that are laying the foundation and after me come, other people will come and build thereon. In other words, people will come and minister to you as a local church and they'll help you grow and, 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 and be edified. He says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Now, again, stop. Need to make a distinction. That doesn't mean every male how he buildeth thereon. Every person, it means every brother and sister has contribution to the construction and the furtherance of the ministry of the local church. Okay? Now, there are public gifts and there are not so public gifts, but I want you to see this. The point is, every person in the local church has a contribution to make as part of the building. And we've got to be diligent about what we're building in. For other foundation can no man lead than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So there's apostolic foundation, but below the apostolic foundation, there's Christ's foundation. And we know the verse, I will build my church and the, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay and stubble. So it's a picture here, folks. God's not asking us to adorn the building with ornate things like the temple or the tabernacle. He's using them as pictures. Wood, hay and stubble are things that are temporary and that disappear. We'll see that in a minute. Precious stones, gold and silver are things that are enduring and lasting. So we'll see why he says that. Every man's, so now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay and stubble, everyone's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work, what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So in other words, there's coming a day of account when God will ask you very specifically, what was your contribution that you made to your local assembly, your local church? That's what this is about. Now, there's a whole sense in which our whole life will be accounted for um, at the judgment seat of Christ. But this is saying very specifically, there'll become a day when the Lord will say, what were you building into your local church when you were there? Was it, was it good stuff or was it stuff that didn't really matter? Let's, let's keep reading. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? So here's another picture of a local church. We've got a body, we've got a, a, a fruitful field, we've got a building, and now we've got a temple, a worship place, a worship place. So as we go on and we think about that maybe in another time, a local assembly is a place for, for worship. That's a really important function of a local assembly, worship. And worship, as you know, 
is very prominent and very conspicuous on a Lord's Day morning, thankfully so, but not confined exclusively to a Lord's Day morning. You know that too, don't you? When we meet on a Thursday to pray, there should be a worship element involved in that. When we're studying the scriptures, there's a worship element involved in that. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. And if any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he that take, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men. So a local church is a place where men do not have prominence or glory. The local church is the place where only Christ gets the glory. Supremely, singularly, exclusively. The glory is all for the Lord Jesus Christ. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or in the world or in life or in death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ's is God. Let's just take a few minutes and just review where we are. One of the first things we talked about was the importance of making distinction in words. Didn't we? We talked about that. So we've learned that the word church assembly does not refer to the building. It's the congregation of people where, that, that gather. But we also said that the church has two aspects. There's a universal church and there's an, an aspect of the church which is universal and an aspect of the church which is local. So a universal church is historical and global, Right? So in other words, when we talk about the, the church which is his body universally, we're talking about every Christian from Pentecost until the Lord comes and in every place and at every time. So we can't all meet in one place as the church universal, can we? There wouldn't be a place big enough to hold us. And when we get to heaven, you know, the, it says it's impossible even to number the people that are part of that body. But it's very clear that there's a local present geographical aspect of the church we've, we've seen that and so when we're reading in 1 Corinthians when we're reading in Acts of the Apostles we're reading about Christians coming together in a locality you know, you know in time this is not just a, a big view of 2000 years this is 2022 in Gateshead in a one locality there should be a gathering of the God's people for his glory so that's the, the local church and we saw that as a really really important distinction we talked about the importance. Oh, sorry. We talked about the importance of the lo local church. Number one, to the Lord, and number two, to the believer. And we traced through the Acts of the Apostles and the, the Epistles how prominent the local church is, and it's important to the Lord that local churches are formed and that they function. And we saw last week in particular that it's important to believers that local churches are formed and function. Because at this most basic element, folks, the things that please the Lord are the things that should please us, aren't they really? If we're really a Christian, we should be in tune with the things that please the Lord. And if it pleases the Lord, it pleases us. So when we gather like this, the primary preeminent thought this morning is not what did I get out of the gathering, right? What is the preeminent thought? What did he get out of the gathering? That, that's why we gather, isn't it, really? 
And so a, a, a local church is important to the Lord. It's important to the believer. And we talked about accountability and instruction and, and help and all that sort of thing. But I, I missed one out last week. And, and this is what, what I, I was thinking about this week. I was thinking about how important local churches are to the world. Isn't that right? Because it's good to have individual Christians living their lives at home and at work and at university and wherever it is. But a local church becomes a, a, a broadcast point, doesn't it, for the glory of God. And this world, and it's most basic, folks, Bensham should be a better place because there's a group of Christians gathering here as an assembly, shouldn't they? We should be having an influence in the world for good, and we should have an influence in the world for restraint as well, shouldn't we? There's, there's two aspects to that. And so the, 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 the local church is important to God, it's important to us, and it's important to, to the world. And we really, really need to consider that. We started last week when we thought about some of the pictures of the local church. And the local church is we talked about the body picture. First Corinthians 12, the body working together, we saw unity and coordination and control and, and all that sort of thing. And, and the importance of the body means that every single one of us is vitally important to a local church. We talked about associating yourself with a local church, making it your place. But once you're there, you're part of the body and that part of the body, everybody is absolutely vital. Supposing you get up this morning and your eyes decided they weren't going to work. Right, I'm going to have a day off. My eyes are going to have a day off today. The first thing that would cause me a problem in the morning is, how am I going to read my Bible? Right? You know, if my eyes don't work, how am I going to read my Bible? And I think, oh, well, my ears could work and I could listen to my Bible. But my eyes have got to find my iPad, to find my app, to find my, you know. And, and once, that, once that body part ceases to function, it may be possible for the rest of the body to function, but the rest of the body is what? handicapped isn't that right it's a harder struggle to do what you should be doing and you miss the bits of the body that don't make their contribution diabetics miss the contribution that the the cells and uh, make insulin make don't they they miss that you don't see it but they miss the contribution that, that's made and this idea of the body is that everybody's vital and everybody has a part to play and every part is different and every part has significance and every believer in the lord jesus christ is really important and when it comes to a local church isn't that right and that that's the idea of the body the next thing we were thinking about, or we read about this morning, is this. The building, the construction of the local church. The idea in the, in the local church is that it's building up. And the Lord said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So at the most basic level, it's what the Lord brings into the church that is the blessing to the church, isn't it? So we talked about gifts uh, way back uh, a few Thursday nights ago and the Lord gives gifts to the church so that the people who receive those gifts can use the gifts that God gives them to build into the church isn't that right and in the end we are just the vehicle for the Lord to do the construction isn't that right and it's always an amazement to me <laughs> it just comes to my mind now see when we get to heaven the Lord's going to give us rewards no, he's given us rewards for things that he did through us. And it wasn't actually us that did them at all. It was him that did them. We only just made ourselves available for him to use. And the Lord's going to give us rewards for things that actually he did in the first place. Isn't that just wonderful grace? 
Isn't that just wonderful grace? So there's lots of concepts behind this idea of a local church being a building. One is growth. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? I will build my church, the Lord said, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. And a local church should be always work in progress. Isn't that right? We should never get to a stage where we think, oh, well, that's us. We're done. We're finished. We're quite happy the way we are. Uh, we've got enough folks in fellowship. We're doing enough things. Let's just, let's, just, let's just keep on doing what we're doing. We should always be looking to move forward. We should always be looking to build in. We should always be praying for folks to be saved. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? We'll talk about that in a wee minute, how important evangelism is to a local church. When we lived down in um, North Shields, uh, the local secondary schools had a, rev a revision because there was too many secondary schools for the number of pupils, right? And so they actually closed down a few secondary schools and combined them. And that caused horrendous problems, because you can imagine, because there's always rivalries between schools. So you close down two schools, and you think, well, which school are they going to meet in? And once the two groups of pupils come in, they've all got their own distinctives, and, they're all, and they become, you know, you, you can see what happens. The reason they closed down the secondary schools was this. That 14 years to 16 years earlier, there had been a decline in the birth rate, Right? And it took 14 or 16 years for that birth rate decline to come through the system. So the problem didn't happen just there and then. It happened 14 or 15 years earlier when there was no new birth. And because there was new birth, no new birth, 14 years later there was nobody to teach. Can you see my, my point here, folks? You know, a lot of local assemblies dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. And it doesn't just happen overnight. It happens because a long time ago we forgot what we were all about. If we don't see folks saved, folks, there's no future. There's absolutely no future. Absolutely. And that's why evangelism and gospel preaching becomes such an essential element of, of an assembly's activity because we're looking for folks to be saved. We're looking for folks to be baptized. And I'll tell you, there are assemblies that think they're great now. In 15 years' time, they'll, found, they'll find they're extinct. They'll find they're extinct because there's been no new birth. So it's not just construction about building in numbers, what we read in 1 Corinthians um, what we read about 1 Corinthians 3 is building in quality isn't that right? the contribution that we ha are making in our local assembly is it something that matters? is it something that's going to spend? is it going to you know, the test of time. Will it stand the test of time? Or will it stand the test of eternity? Are we putting in? And you say, well, I make a cup of tea for folks after the meeting. Is that building into the assembly? Absolutely. Do you know why? That's displaying brotherly love, brotherly kindness and service because a local assembly essentially is a group of people who submit and serve each other. That's what, that's what we are. And so any service that we do to each other is a... A quality, a quality spiritual help for people. There's nothing redundant. So we could look at that. We won't spend a lot more time on that. But then there's another one. And there's bride, the bride. And that's very much a universal thing. But what I'm, the point I wanted to make there is a local church should be a place of affection, folks. 
should be a place of affection. That's the idea when it comes to a marriage, a bride and a groom are getting together. It's the zenith of their romantic relationship, isn't it? It's the, it's the culmination of their love for each other. It's the evidence that they're saying, I am committed and I love this person. It's an evidence of affection. If there's anything that should be known amongst the Lord's people in a local church, it's affection, isn't it? Isn't that right? I mean primarily affection for the Lord Jesus. It should be true that when folks come, stranger people come amongst us, if they don't understand what we do and they don't understand their function, the one thing they should understand is this. We love the Lord Jesus. We love him. We don't follow him blindly. And we're not doing things because we're, we're drones that have been programmed. We do things because we love the Lord Jesus. And because we love the Lord Jesus, you know what? We love each other, don't we? Well, we've got to love each other. The Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And John says, if God so loved you, so you should love one another. It must have been the hardest thing ever for God to love me. <laughs> so brother, sister, however hard you find it to love me, let me tell you, you don't find it as hard as God did to love me. And God says, if I love them, you should love them as well. It's a place of affection. So, I just want to finish off by, how would you recognise a local church that was pleasing to the Lord? How would you do it? Would you turn up with your checklist? And would you get your checklist out and would you say, okay, we'll go, for, go there three or four times and we'll see if they tick all our boxes here. How would you recognise it? Well, let me show you how I think you should recognise a local church. You, could rec- you should recognise it by two things. Number one, it's attitude. And number two, it's activities. It's activities. Go through, Sid's been doing it very helpfully for us for a number of weeks, going through Revelation and chapter number uh, two and three, the seven churches. So diverse and different, aren't they really? So diverse and different. So different in their activities and actually so different in their attitudes as well. But when you read Revelation 2 and 3, what the Lord's assessing is not just, are they ticking boxes, right? Yeah, I know your works, and you know what? You're doing okay. You're doing okay. Take Ephesus. Remember Ephesus? Boy, they were good folks. Can't, find, can't even find a fault with anything you do, but you've got something against you. What have you done? You've left your first love. So, how do you recognise... If I go to a place and I want to please the Lord, I want to find a group of Christians that are pleasing the Lord and associate myself with them, don't I? How do I recognise them? Can I tell you this? Truly only the Lord recognises local assemblies. He does. He's the one that says, they're minds, they're minds. Now I know we live in a world that's tempted to have lists and categories. And we like to say, they're in, they're out. They're us, they're them. Nothing like that exists in the word of God. No human being can stand in judgment or presumption on another group of Christians. That's an attitude that stinks of human pride. And that's why I put attitudes right at the beginning. You don't recognise a group of Christians because you take a high place and look down and say, okay, who comes up to my standards? Your attitude is, where are the folks that love and serve the Lord? Where are the folks that are serving the Lord in humility and patience 
But activities are also really important as well, aren't they? Because, again, I'm stealing from Sid's ministry because I've enjoyed it so much, but there was times when he went through and he says, you know, you've got that woman Jezebel amongst you. Do you know what that is? That's wrong. Do something about that. So, if, supposing we talked about it last week, you parachute in to a new place and you've come without any connections and you're looking for a local church to join, you look for a, a, a group of Christians that's got a good attitude, humble and serving the Lord, and have got activities that are compatible with the word of God. So, so, so let's think about them just a wee minute. Let's think about... Uh, oh, I beg your pardon. If you are looking for, supposing you find a wee group of Christians and they love the Lord and they're serving the Lord and you think these are the people for me, why are, are you looking for things that are really important for a gathering of a local church? Well, you have to be looking for the fundamentals being right, don't you really? You have to look for the fundamentals in the gospel and the, and the fundamentals about the word of God. But, but if you're looking at practices, here's some of the things that a local church does that would help you recognise this is a local church that's got a good attitude and following the word of God. There would be a local church that would, would baptise, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? And they would say, listen, believe and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They wouldn't kind of tag baptism on as an optional extra. They would make it what the Bible makes it to be. A, 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 a real... And this is not my subject. This is for... This is not local church 101. This is local church 102. Um, there are ordinances that God has ordained for the local church. Isn't that right? What I mean by that is physical things that we see and do and touch that are evidence of God's working in the local church. One of them is baptism. Isn't that right? Second one is the Lord's Supper. Isn't that right? We'll talk about that in a minute. There's a third one. Physical ordinance that I think that really marks out a local church as something that's living for the glory of God. Traditionally, people only say two. I think there's three. I think headship. I think it's a physical ordinance that exhibits the glory of God, and, and, and it's a very important thing. We'll see, we'll see that in a minute. I think a local church is a church that breaks bread regularly, that has breaking the bread on a, on a regular basis, because you read the Acts of the Apostles, when the disciples came together on the first day of the week to break bread. It was very obvious that local churches considered breaking bread a really important function because that was exactly what the Lord said they should do. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death till he come. And Paul spent a whole chapter, well not a whole chapter, but a good bit of a very important chapter in 1 Corinthians 11 saying to them, you got this wrong. Put it right. Put it right. So there would be breaking bread. If you read the Acts of the Apostles, probably the most prominent characteristic of a local gathering of Christians is this. They prayed together. They prayed together. It just seems that whenever they got together, the first thing that went through their mind was, we need to pray. We need to pray. And they were a local church that prayed all the time and in all circumstances. And they were a really group of Christians where prayer was a, a primary issue in their mind. Now again, folks, the difference between what we believe to be the principle and what we actually practice sometimes can be huge, can't it, really? 
You know, and we, we stick our prayer meeting on a Thursday night and say, let's have half an hour of prayer, and that's as a local church. I don't think that's what happened at all in the New Testament. I think as soon as Christians got together, the first thing they said to each other was, let's pray together. Let's pray together. And they prayed in good times, and they prayed in bad times. And you know, there was times when they prayed intensively. They had emergency prayer meetings. They had prayer meetings that went on all night, for example. I remember the first time I went to an all-night prayer meeting. This boy here, I'm sure you've been in many an all-night prayer meeting, didn't you? Because Africans, they have that spirit of prayer that we don't have here in the Western. But I remember going to the first all-night prayer meeting I ever was at. And it started at 8 o'clock, and it was to finish at 8 o'clock the next morning. 12 hours. I don't know about you, but that seemed like a pretty daunting prospect to me. I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to stay awake all night? You know, because I fall asleep. When, if I go, Jan will tell you, when we pray at home at night, I have to pray short because if I pray long, I fall asleep while I'm praying. I can fall asleep while I'm praying. I mean, forgive me, but um, maybe you'll not listen to me anymore. But I think to myself, how am I going to pray all night? Let me tell you, never even was a problem. Once we started to pray and once the Lord seemed to come amongst us, before we knew where it was, the day had dawned and we were ready, ready to finish Prayer should never be a drudgery or a duty or, or, or dead. And I'm not, but there was times when there was such emergencies in the local assembly, they said, right, we're going to get together to pray. And we're going to get to pray intensively. We're going to pray over an hour or two hours or three hours. And there's no magic switch that you, you flick and because you pray for four hours, suddenly that makes it different. You know what I'm saying here. They just thought, let's pray and let's pray. Here's another thing they did. Teaching. Teaching. There was a, a great emphasis on the people coming together and reading the word of God. And you say, but they didn't have a Bible. You're right, they didn't have a Bible. They had an Old Testament and they got letters from Paul. I've just finished a letter to the Colossians. You have as well to do, I'm sure. And if you're following the, 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 the scheme that we use, you've just finished Colossians. Paul gets to the letters at the end of Colossians. He says, now, when you've read this, do you know what to do? Pass it on to the church at Laodicea because they need this teaching as well and the church at Laodicea they've got a letter from me as well do you know what they're going to do they're going to pass that one on to you so that you get that teaching as well because we're just learning all the time aren't we we're learning all the time where should you where should you learn your spiritual lessons in life folks now you should be learning them by reading your own bible you should be right you should be learning them by having fellowship with other Christians you know, just go and have a coffee with somebody and share what you're learning from the Bible. And, and you should be, well, you should be sharing from other resources. Have you got a library? Have you got a library of Christian books? You, you should have. And I know a lot of guys that have got a library of Christian books and then they poo-poo people that listen to preachers on the internet. Listen, if you've got a library, you can't poo-poo the internet because it's just exactly the same thing, isn't it, really? You're just taking other people and listening to them. But where you should really get your spiritual teaching and food is here in the local assembly. Folks, if you don't feel you're getting fed at Bencham spiritually, come and talk to us. Because we're failing you if we're doing that. Because one of the, we won't have time to talk about it, but one of the great characteristics of a local church is they've got elders. And elders, one of the characteristics of them is they're shepherds. And one of the things that a shepherd does is they feed the flock to make sure the flock doesn't go hungry. So folks, all this stuff we do on a Thursday night and a Sunday morning, we don't just make it up as we go along. We genuinely want our Christian folks here to be fed. And if you don't feel you're getting fed, 
You come and talk to us because we want you to be fed. We need to, we need to think about that. And the sadness is in a lot of places, Christians are going other places because they're not getting fed in the place they should they should be fed. They should be fed. They're not getting the food served up that's suitable and it's appropriate and it's helpful. Should be a place for exercise of gift. Would it, and one of the other truths we could talk about is the priesthood of all believers. God gifts every believer in the local church with something to do, right? And so number one, if you've got a gift from the Lord, you should be free to exercise that gift. You should be free to exercise that gift. And there should be evidence of exercising of spiritual gift. And spiritual gift is not just public gift. It's not just public gift. Preaching is not just the only gift there is. There's loads of gifts that God has given. And the local church is the place where you, you exercise your local gift. And the local church is a place where you should be free to exercise your local gift. If you feel God's gifted you to do something and you don't have opportunity to serve and you, the local church is pushing you out, you go and speak to the elders and say, what, what's going on here? I should be free to exercise. This is the place where you should be free to exercise the gift God has given you. Evangelism. Evangelism. You don't need me to talk to you about that. We, we know what that's about here at Pension. Fellowship. Now, to continue the steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine and in fellowship and breaking your bread and prayers, you need to be in fellowship in a local meeting. So you do, so you do. But fellowship's bigger than that, folks, isn't it? Fellowship's being together in life. In life. And we, we know we should know each other and love each other and share with each other and the whole of the apostles. Everybody knew, I don't mean you stick your nose into other people's business, but if somebody had a need that was made known and the local church said, yep, we'll meet that need and they ate together and, and all that sort of stuff. Let, let's finish. Personnel. The personnel in the local church. Philippians 1 was where I went, I was going to go to because when Paul writes to the Philippians, listen to what he says, I'll just read it to you so, so as we get it right. Ephesians, Philippians. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. Now, that's not a list of levels of importance. But if it was, the one he puts first is who? The saints. Everybody. He doesn't say to the elders and the deacons and the saints. If it was a list of importance, the ones that are most important are every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no believer more important than any other believer. But he also talks about elders and he talks about deacons as well. And as I say, we don't have time this morning to go into all those things. But a, a local church is a church where there's order and there's authority, folks. There's authority and accountability. I only want to say one thing about that. When it comes to accountability and authority in a local church, it's not democratic authority. It's not democratic authority, right? It's not, let's vote for who's, who's, who's our favourite at the moment. It's not democratic authority. It's delegated authority. What do I mean by that? If the elders have any authority, it's God-given and it's God-accountable. It's God-accountable. And if you've got any opportunity to serve you too that opportunity to serve and accountability is to God himself so when we meet to pray as elders we know that as we handle the Lord's people we're accountable to God for that and we don't handle the saints and the, the things of the saints 
because this is the way we want it. We, we do this because we, we believe this is the way God wants it. And we're accountable to God. And the, the, Peter talks about days of account for elders. and we, we don't have time to do that. And deacons, you want a badge? You want a badge? That's sometimes what happens. God bless you if you want a badge. But, but deacon service is just ministering service amongst the Lord's people. And there's people who are really prominent and doing good things in deacon service, aren't there? There's people who are great at making sure the taps don't leak and things like that. But deacon service is not just physical service. It can be spiritual service as well. And there's spiritual elements to all our service. We won't take time to do it. The last thing is this. The challenge. That's somebody looking in the mirror. Not my business to point the finger at you and tell you it's about time you pulled your socks up in the local church and got more involved. It's time for me to look in the mirror and say, Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I making my contribution? Is it gold, silver and precious stones or is it wood, hay and stubble? And I would just pray that these wee four weeks have challenged us all to think again about our commitment to God's pattern of the local church. So may God bless his word and we trust the Lord will bless. We'll have a little refreshment after we've given thanks. Lord, we're always grateful to be together. We're particularly grateful when we feel that special sense of the Lord drawing near. And we, we sense that even this morning, Lord, as we broke bread and took a cup, as we sang and prayed, that sweetness of thy presence by thy spirit was palpable in many a heart. And that's grace, Lord. Grace, magnificent, multifaceted, indescribable grace. We bless thee for that. I'm grateful for the rest of the day. May it be a blessing to us and to others. And may, as we think of our little assembly here, may this assembly be for thy glory, for the benefit of the Lord's people. And may this whole community know that in this place there are people that love the Lord. We just give thanks and ask thee to accept our thanks for our little refreshment in the Lord's name. Amen. Unless somebody did the coffee machine, I forgot. Sorry, folks. It's on. Good girl, Sarah. Well done, hen. Was it not you? Who's you? Who's going to take? Who's going to take the credit? You. <laughs> Whoever did it, thank you for your service to us this morning. <laughs> it was Pam. Pam. Shy. Shy Pam. This was. Boys, this was a total disaster. <laughs> this was a total disaster.